Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You'll die before Beyond Good and Evil 2 is out. You'll soon be able to sleep with Pokemon. And Phil Spencer insists that Microsoft isn't going to take Xbox to the car boot sale. This is VGC, a video games podcast with me, Jordan Midler, Andy Robinson and Jeff Gersman. How are we, folks? How are you, Jeff? It must be very early over there. Good. It's uh, it's not too bad. You know, I, I've got uh, I've got young kids, so I'm used to waking up early anyway. They're up at four and five in the morning and all kinds of weird stuff. And so for me, I've, I've been up for like four hours. Nothing energy mm. drinks don't fix. Yeah, <laughs> you've got your own brand straight away. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Didn't intend for that to become my brand, but here we are. <laughs> I mean, it's been like um, it's been like a decade of you talking about energy drinks on the Internet. Now it's got to be yeah. an official part of that brand. It was funny to, you know, when I when I kind of struck out solo to kind of wrap back around and be like, what really matters to me when it comes to podcasting and coverage on oh, r- r- energy drinks naturally is the the first thing that has to be a part of this. Uh, but yeah, like our, I think our first episode of the podcast back, you know, in 2008, 2009 or whatever, we were talking about Gatorade Tiger and all these other weird drinks then. And so it just felt like a weirdly natural thing to do, I guess. Yeah. Andy, were you a big energy drink fiend back in your younger days? No, but I, I find it interesting, Jeff, that you've got us here on, on two ends of the same cycle um, because we're all crashing in the <laughs> afternoon uh, to speak to you. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm on like, you know. Uh, Fanta Zero, number three, just flagging. So y- this is going to be a one-ended conversation, I think, the next 30 minutes. Great. All right, let's go. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like there's been quite a lot going on this week. This is the thing with the weekly podcast. When you cover daily news, you're like, how the hell are you going to condense this into one week? Yep. But um, we'll have some chat later on about Wolong Fallen Dynasty. But before that, we have the biggest headlines of the week, starting with... Phil Spencer says Xbox will exist even if Activision Blizzard deal is blocked. Microsoft's head of gaming has said that the proposed 69 billion Activision Blizzard acquisition is not a quote linchpin for the future of Xbox and that the gaming arm will continue to exist even if the deal is blocked by regulators. Phil Spencer is in the UK this week, or at least he was, to speak to the Competition and Market Authority uh, after the European Commission hearing in which it defended its proposed deal amid concerns it could harm competition, the main focus being Call of Duty's exclusivity. Uh, speaking to the Times, Spencer was asked what would happen to Xbox should the acquisition be blocked. And he basically said, quote, This is an important acquisition for us. It's not some linchpin in the long term. Xbox will exist even if the deal doesn't go through. Now, I'm going to come to you first, Jeff. What do you make of that statement? Are you as worn down by all of this acquisition stuff as we are? Yeah, definitely. It's, um, I, I mean, I, I think that, you know, he, he's being pretty straight up here. I, I think that Microsoft will continue to care about gaming going forward because it, it fits into so many different other parts of their business. There's aspects of the cloud business that kind of touch on gaming. You know, of course, they... They want to drive Windows adoption and, and selling yeah. it to people that play video games is a, is a part of that. So I, I think that, you know, it's strategically important for them to continue to have 
the Xbox brand kind of under their umbrella. And, and yeah, you know, if they don't get Activision, then, you know, I don't know. I, I you know, six months ago, I would have said, oh, 10 cents snaps them up. But I think, you know, obviously a lot of fortunes have changed uh, lately. So I don't know what would happen to Activision Blizzard these days if this deal doesn't go through. I think that, you know, Microsoft's been expecting a certain amount of pushback on this acquisition and i think they went into this process knowing they were going to have to defend it a lot of different ways but i'm starting to think that this is going a lot further than maybe they anticipated yeah that was um it certainly seems like the vibe um so far andy you made the mistake of tweeting about this and tweeting about anything in the video yeah, game sphere it's always a mistake to, to tweet anything <laughs> negative about xbox um i mean to, to your point uh to jeff's point I mean, the fans are ground down as well, right? Like, it's just... I've spoken to a lot of people in the Xbox community recently, um, even ones that want to have a conversation with me. Um, I, I, I spoke to a lot of, like, the, the key people in the Xbox community who I'm, I'm, you know, kind of on a really good basis with. And the overriding feeling is that it is just... It is, like, it's tough to be an Xbox fan at the moment because they're even more ground down probably than we are writing the news. Um, you know, kind of constantly talking about this back and forth because obviously... It's um it's it's a game really with these regulators. It's it's a little bit of a mini drama of of Xbox pleading poverty and and then Sony doing the same. And uh, it's it's difficult to kind of get a read on on what's really going on. This was taken from that Times article, and obviously, in stating that the reaction is so, does that mean that Xbox is going to be sold off? There's definitely been discussions in the past oh. in that area. Yeah, they're, they're, well, there's there's been suggestion to that. So. I mean, obviously, I, I um, made the mistake of putting this on Twitter, which is probably the worst place for me to put that comment. Um, it, it's not exactly the place for kind of nuanced conversation. But at the same time, it was a, a little bit of a, you know, kind of sweetener that I dropped that I probably wouldn't have written a news story about um, that. There, there, you know, there are important people that I do know for a fact, you know, kind of are thinking that that is a possibility. Um, I mean, a lot of people have taken that comment that I tweeted as my own personal opinion, um, you know, kind of just like a lot of business journalists um, kind of get shouted at a bit for ex- trying to explain why regulators um, kind of might believe that Activision Blizzard deal, you know, kind of could harm competition. But it's it's not an opinion in this case. It's 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 literally the truth. I've spoken to some pretty important people who believe it is a, you know, possibility in the unlikely event that the deal doesn't go through that maybe possibly, you know, kind of Microsoft could consider if gaming is is going to get to where it needs to be for them, um, you know, and if it, it would entertain a sale. I mean, that's that's not what I think will happen. Um, I think the the leadership of Microsoft seems pretty set on on making gaming a, a success in the long term, um, and, and of course, you know, the, the the I understand the frustration with a lot of Xbox fans is this is something that's been going on and on and on again for like the last twenty years. Whenever you know, kind of something bad happens, it's always Microsoft going to get rid of Xbox, just like the the, the kind of the, the full two cliche for Nintendo is are they going to get out of the console business whenever things go bad, mm-hmm. right? But the fact that this Times journalist asked about Xbox's future at uh, the company, you know, uh, should the deal, deal go south? Um, and the fact that Phil Spencer answered it shows that they both know it's a legitimate question to ask. Um, I mean, as you as you kind of noted, Jordan, Phil Spencer himself has said, uh, Microsoft as a global business has considered if it's it was worth continuing with Xbox, you know, kind of after the, the Xbox One launch uh, went so badly. Um, and, and more recently, he's kind of made comments like, you know, if Xbox doesn't get into mobile in a big way, it could become unsustainable again for 
the sort of caliber of business that Microsoft is. Uh, it is. It's a trillion dollar company. So it's a legitimate question, even if it's an unlikely one, right? So. To, I mean, I wanted to. Uh, I, I kind of prepared some notes because I wanted to kind of extrapolate on 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 the reason that these people that I'm referring to might think this. Um, so, playing devil's advocate um, on the idea of why a sale might be entertained um, in the future, and again, it's not my opinion; it's a structural basis for why some believe this is a very small possibility. Um, Xbox is not delivering the results Microsoft wants yet. Um, I mean, it's recently missed a few Game Pass targets. Um, by its own admission, console growth has stalled a bit. Um, and also, you've kind of got the, 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 the big layoffs recently at one of its flagship studios, 343, which is, is not a great look for a platform holder on the up, you know, kind of prepared for the future. I mean, Xbox, Xbox itself isn't underperforming. It's got millions of subscribers. It's got great games. And there's loads of reasons why consumers and fans should be excited about its future, as I am. Um, it's just not where a trillion-dollar corporate owner wants it to be in terms of scale just yet. I mean, this is not obviously not the end game. You don't invest billions for, for third place, right? Um, so... Obviously, kind of Xbox struggled during Xbox One era. The new plan set during that era to solve the slump was to, of course, the focus on streaming subscriptions and to make that so compelling that it becomes an even better business model than the one they had before. Um, that's why they've just invested tens of billions in first-party games. Uh, studios kind of starting five, six years ago. You know, pretty soon, understandably they're going to expect that to pay off in subscriber numbers a lot higher than what they currently have. Their goal is not selling consoles, it's getting subscribers. You know, Microsoft's vision is a future where people are streaming and subscribing for their games. But for that to work for a company of the scale of Microsoft, uh, where Xbox is no way near their biggest earner, you know, kind of next to Office and Windows and LinkedIn, they want way more than 25 million Game Pass subs. They want more like 100 million. You know, and in an environment where subscription services across the industry have stalled, how do you reinvigorate you know, that growth in the immediate term? The only way to do that is by adding the biggest new games that the mass market want, not the niche, your FIFA, your Call of Duties on day one. Thus, that's why it's banking a lot on the Activision deal in the immediate term. Activision gives them a, you know, that mass market game. It gives them Call of Duty. It also adds 100 million more users across PC and mobile that Microsoft doesn't have. What, you know, kind of Phil Spencer was alluding to um, about kind of getting into mobile and why they, they kind of need to. That's why that's such a, this is a big deal for them um, because they just don't have that at the moment. I mean, it's, it's going to drive a, as you've seen from all the talk from the, uh, the regulators, from all the companies involved, it's going to drive a seismic change in the industry if these deals go through. That's why they're paying $70 billion for it. And if it doesn't go through, you know, what's left that will quadruple Game Pass subs in a short time? You know, what's their plan yeah. B? Uh, what will they do instead? That's a, a legitimate question. And understandably, some people are wondering if Microsoft would be as enthusiastic about the project, you know, kind of in that theoretical version of the future. I mean, as, as Jeff said, I mean, maybe they decide to stick it out and do it organically. You know, maybe they'd kind of buy someone like Sega to kind of plug a shortfall in their PC audience mm. in the immediate term. I mean, that would that would kind of patch it up. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's a mute point because, as I said on my, my tweet, you know, the deal is probably going to go yeah. through, in my opinion, uh, with concessions. I think most kind of um, analysts that you, you see who have been following this closely believe that. 
and even if it doesn't i don't personally expect microsoft to, to call it a day and kind of sell off xbox um that's not the vibe its leadership's been giving for the last decade i, I agree that i think the deal will go through i think that you know they'll, they'll continue to make concessions in, in order to to make it happen and i think that as far as like the sale of the company uh, yeah it's it's a long shot at best but like you know there's always the possibility that someone walks through the door with a check and goes we want this you know like i just yeah. don't know who that company is anymore amazon right yeah <laughs> sure you know but or or is it google saying like well look we just totally boned it up in the <laughs> cloud business you guys are the only ones that seem to be getting it right you know nvidia nvidia's there right i mean they've got a, a, a they've got lots like yeah. millions of subscribers already on their um, cloud do they have the, do they have the money to actually well i guess i don't know what that yeah, no, they, yeah. they're not as big as an amazon or google or microsoft right. but they're not small i think they're like maybe five i don't know i'm not gonna guess right yeah no, I, I, but I know i know that i guess I, I just look at it as like you know it's it's become more expensive money has become more expensive as you know the interest rates and all this other stuff changes and so like what would have been a, a much more deal-friendly market even six months ago you know more like a year 18 months ago you know is it, it, it's not the same and so you know the the potential suitors seems like a, a smaller pool but as far as Xbox goes, it's frustrating. You know, I, I think as someone who's been watching the Xbox brand for, you know, since since they started it, there's been this, and especially like coming off of the Xbox One and, and how poorly that went for them, you know, they became this weird underdog, which is a weird thing to think for the company that put out the Xbox 360 and, and you know, it's like an amazing console and, and whatever else. But worldwide, you know, like Japan doesn't care about the 360. They don't care about Xbox at all. Um, and so it's always felt like that, they're one or two decisions or releases away from getting everything in line like post xbox one when spencer kind of came in and you know after the house got cleaned up a little bit it felt like that they were on this very long comeback trail of like okay we've got to undo this we've got to we've got to do right by our players we so we have to have a very kind of uh, consumer friendly message we've got to build this subscription service and try to make it as consumer friendly as possible you know when, when people complain to microsoft when people complain to Phil Spencer on Twitter, you know, sometimes things happen because they're in a position where they have to be that company. They they feel like, okay, you know, Sony's not going to do that. Nintendo's not even going to see it. So if they can be the company that is like responsive to the needs of players, you know, it, it feels like that's been the the narrative that they've been trying to to build. And I think they've built it really well, but they got to that inflection point where it's like, okay, we've We've kind of built some goodwill back and the console's good and, you know, we've got all these different options and ways to play games. And now what are people going to play? And then they looked around as crickets They're like, oh, right. <laughs> all these games got pushed back. Everything, you know, things got delayed. Things got canceled. Heads rolled. You know, Halo happened the way it happened. And the pandemic hit, obviously, and is responsible for some chunk of that. But when it came time to actually start delivering big games on a regular basis, to that game pass audience it just hasn't happened yet and it's been yeah. like gut-wrenching in a weird way to watch you know thinking about meetings that i had with people there five six years ago now and and being able to start to piece it together and go oh this is what they're doing like it, it became clear to see like this is the path that they're going to take to kind of win people back after the xbox one and they did it but they just didn't have the end they didn't have act three you know and, and yeah. it feels like they're running out of time so that's why i look at you know the bethesda acquisition and and you know this activision stuff is like yeah they just they've got to fill slots they've got to get games out there and they're not they have not been able to do it this year i think will be you know 
knock on wood, I guess for them, but you know, it'll be different than last year was, but, uh, I don't know. They've had a couple of rough ones here. And so we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out. But, but yeah, it's, uh, it's been very interesting to, to watch them do this. Yeah. And kind of in this run up towards Microsoft's summer showcase, they're in the E3 period kind of extravaganza. Um, Bill Spencer said that they have a couple of what he classifies as GoldenEye type announcements before then, which could be whatever really. But I'm more interested outside of the Starfield date. Like once that's out of the way and we know when that's coming, what's the focus of this summer showcase? Like, what is the next big game that they end with? I think um, I think the nearest ones for them are uh, Hellblade mm. and probably Avowed. Hellblade isn't that uh, big they're, though, they're, is it? That doesn't end a showcase. No, but that, that's what they'll. That's the next big things for them that they'll be talking mm. about. You know, from my understanding, those two are the closest. Um, I mean, it's still pretty stunning that Fable still right. miles away. I mean, Perfect Dark is is not close. Yeah. Uh, Everworld is not close. It's easy to like to have some empathy for the Xbox fans, right? Because this must be so frustrating for them as well. If you're like, because everything looks so great on paper, and it's just like they've the games are just not quite ready yeah, yet. It's, yeah, it's it's especially interesting when you talk about something like Fable, because the team that that's assigned to Playground, they put out these like incredible racing games, and you'd think that they were Microsoft's kind of banker team they're almost their kind of insomniac get games out all the time there's always something coming from that team but i certainly had conversations about the fable project that just sounds like it was at least from 2021 and 2022 that there was a lot of poor management going on on there was a lot of not quite sure what they want this fable to be because i'm not sure if you made an original fable style game now it would be what people want the, the term like a witcher like was thrown about a lot to me Ugh. which i feel like will piss off people that liked the original fable <laughs> um, right yeah it, it's like at, at what point why are you making fable the name like yeah i guess it's a, na- yeah. it's a name yeah. that yeah. pops that's always, that's it was, always it was, it was xbox's yeah. it was xbox's biggest franchise right after, after right. halo fable was statistically their biggest franchise which is is kind of stunning how linehead was just folded in the first place because obviously they stuck out um, with Rare and it, it paid off mm-hmm. um, I actually uh, kind of going back actually that um, Fable game they're working on the multiplayer one I thought that was quite good I played that oh the what one that, that got canned pretty the, good the, the, was that the journey yeah what was, what was that yeah. Legends, Legends? Yeah, yeah. Fable Legends it was a neat I idea. it was quite good I mean obviously it was a neat sorry? idea yeah it was a neat idea yeah like it was like a, someone played like right. a dungeon master mm-hmm. right didn't Bioware try and do the same exact same game and then they canned that like six months later what was that <laughs> oh, game oh god called? bonus points if you remember was that. that the thing that they showed at the ea press conference that was just like yeah they, well, yeah, they yeah. showed it they had it at gamescom i yeah. think like it was I, playable and stuff there was a yeah, i forget and they went <laughs> nah. <laughs> um yeah uh weird one i mean fable like i heard that only literally only recently went into full production yeah. mm-hmm. and it's it's again this you know it's a similar or it probably isn't a similar story but you know the kind of the reporting i did around perfect dark and the initiative last year you know that that was just they just it seems to be a cultural a lot of the challenges that xbox had seems to be cultural like where so you look at sony and they bring in insomniac and it seems to be such a synergy you know it was like they were always i mean obviously they were always uh, kind of making playstation exclusive stuff mostly right. for a long time but when they came in they i mean they, i think jeff grubb um there's a rumor from jeff grubb recently um that they could put out um, Spider-Man 2 this year and Wolverine maybe even next yeah. year and you wouldn't even think twice about that being a possibility would you like if someone could do that it's Insomniac right. they're an absolute powerhouse 
And then you look at the same, you know, kind of on paper, these studios that kind of come into Microsoft, and it, for some reason it just doesn't work. I, I mean, sometimes I wonder if they're just too nice. Like, I mean, Phil Spencer's a, a, a really nice guy. I mean, they, they seem to, that's the atmosphere that they give out as a leadership team, that they're very affable people. Um, and they talk a lot about kind of giving their studios autonomy. And when I see like um, kind of Fable struggling, and to be, to be fair, coming back to Fable, there's a lot of reasons why that's struggling that aren't cultural, right? Like it's really difficult to hire in the UK at the moment. Mm. Um, you know, technology-wise, they've, they've struggled, I think, because they've decided to use the Forza engine for whatever reason, their expertise is racing, blah, 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 blah. Um, but you look at like initiative as well, that's, I'm sure that was formed five years ago. And like everyone left last year. And you look at all that and you think, maybe they just need a good bollocking. <laughs> like, you know, maybe you guys should change tack and just like put the, the hard line down on, on this because it, with the perfect dark thing, like I, I think they, um, Matt Booty who's the head of their first party. He put out, um, he did an all hand. They do an all hands like every month. Right. And I was told that he kind of repeated a lot of their, their kind of lines that they gave to me, which was about the pandemic and it's difficult to hire. And, you know, people are leaving because there's so many opportunities, uh, so much demand for kind of experienced developers right now, which is true. Like yeah. They've never had more choice than ever. I understand to kind of, if they don't like what they are, they'll have, uh, you know, kind of dozen jobs to go and go to, especially if they're in a, a hub, you know, kind of city in the U S um, but after that went out and after I put my statement out, like I had probably double the a number of initiative developers reach out to me than, than had for the original piece saying that's not true. You know, we, we didn't leave because, you know, we wanted another job. We left because it was, it was poorly run. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. It's yeah. Odd. Yeah. You're, you're right. I, I think we've, we've seen it across enough different teams and enough different studios under Microsoft's purview that you have to start to wonder like, yeah, is there something you know do they do they need they need a closer they need the bends get leslie benzies in there and just <laughs> one one last one last thing to this as well because we talk about xbox all day um you have to think as well that the other part of the activision blizzard deal and um the the kind of this the, the cusp of this conversation that we cited on what happens if it doesn't happen etc you've got to think a lot of those publishing guys not in the first year not in the second year but certainly eventually uh, are you having xbox managing activision blizzard publishing guys because they're no way near as good. Mm -hmm. Activision Blizzard's marketing team, the publishing team, they are a well-oiled machine. If you own them and you're Xbox, how long are you not having them running Xbox? Right. I'd say not long. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of a game that certainly needs the bends or maybe to start production at all, Beyond Good and Evil 2, Studio Head reportedly exits amid labour investigation. This is from Kotaku, the managing director of Beyond Good and Evil 2, uh, maker Ubisoft Montpellier has reportedly left the studio amid a labour investigation by local government authorities. Um, Kotaku claims that staff of the company last week were informed that Guillaume Carmona, that might be mispronouncing that almost certainly, wouldn't be returning to his role as studio boss after being absent since the turn of the year. Three sources uh, cite that Carmona's exit follows a year in which dozens of developers took extended leave for stress and sickness as the studio continues to struggle with the development of Beyond Good and Evil 2. Quote, the, well the health and wellness of our team is an ongoing priority, a Ubisoft spokesperson told Kotaku. Given the length of the development cycle with Beyond Good and Evil 2, the Montpellier development team is undergoing well-being assessments through a third party for preventative measures and to evaluate whether additional support may be needed. Uh, according to the report, Beyond Good and Evil 2 is still not even technically in pre-production. I go to you first, Jeff. Will the, either will any of the three of us be alive when this game comes out? 
I don't know about you, Jeff, but I'm pretty sure I was in my 20s when I was in the room when this game was announced. Yeah, that's. Uh, I was probably in my early 30s at that point. I, I, I'm not sure at this point. It feels like a lifetime ago. I remember it was, it was in the Louvre. It was in the Louvre. Right, yeah. You yeah, know when yeah. they used to run Ubi Days, their event Ubi Days? It was in the Louvre in, in Paris. They'd rented out the entire place. Like I remember just walking around with a Heineken <laughs> looking at the Mona Lisa. Yeah. Like literally just me, the Mona Lisa, and a Heineken. <laughs> It was originally announced in 2008. I was uh, 12 years old, yeah, and I will celebrate my 28th birthday in about two months' time. So, and and they're not even in pre-production. I I just you know you have to imagine did they have they entered full production and then cancelled it? And how many times have they thrown a game away to go like no, this isn't it? And it, it, and yeah, remember we're talking about a sequel to Beyond Good and Evil. A a really good game with really fun photo mechanics and kind of a that was like the best seven out of ten yeah. 20 years ago yeah like a you know 25 a, years a ago. post ocarina <laughs> of time you're like this is okay yeah this this has some really neat ideas it doesn't deserve any of this how much money has been poured into beyond good and evil 2 like yeah meanwhile ubisoft has just canceled like three more projects and three three projects here and three projects there and and you know, do they have a bunch of grants riding on of this? I've seen it suggested that Skull and Bones is kicking around because of grants and they have to ship it. It's, it's got to be that. It's got to be yeah. that. Yeah, Singapore. It's, Skull and Bones is there because of the grants, yeah, with the, 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 um, yeah. the, the government, the Singapore. It's, it's, a, it's a government grant. I can only imagine it exactly the same. It's got to be a similar thing. They have a, a financial commitment to release this game or maybe even like it's not unheard of that Eve Guillermo is just a massive fan. Sure. And he's like, this yeah. game is coming out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Keep going. Oh, still not going. Oh, we'll rejig it. Is he leaving? Don't care. Keep yeah. going. Get someone new in there. Make it happen. Uh, yeah. And and I just, I, at this point, like, I, I feel like the, you know, is Joseph Gordon-Levitt going to step in and run this project? Is that what we're <laughs> going to see here? Is, you know, is he going to be the guy? But I, I have to imagine now, and, and you know, because it just seems like the type of bad move that Ubisoft would make at this point, but this game is like an NFT game by this oh, point, yeah. right? This This has to be... Like if they're going to try to ride a wave and put it out, you know, like this, that's probably their only hope to ever do anything with this or is, is to like cram it full of blockchain garbage. We're probably going to get to the point where the same, this, the same amount of time between the original announcement of bg 2 and the re-reveal elapses again for the re-re-reveal when it comes out. And it's like, this is a PlayStation 6 game. This is like, right. What? Like there will be... Some some developers' art station account will show an amazing treasure trove of Beyond Good and Evil Two stuff that will never see all the light of day. Ubisoft is such a weird beast at the minute. Is it like I don't know why? Yeah. First of all, I don't know why there's not a Division Three on my PS5 right now because Division Two, one of the greatest games ever made, I think we'll all agree. Probably because all yeah. the stuff left, I imagine. <laughs> And they're working. They're working. They're working on yeah. Star Wars game. Yeah, like it, uh, I mean, for for me, I've never been more sure than in the last couple of years about what Ubisoft's about. It's about, you know, shit. We need to double down on what works, which is Assassin's Creed. Yeah, I feel like that's that's so the the, the recent story out of them. It felt like they they tried a lot of different things for a while there, right? You know, like okay, well, let's just put the Assassin's Creed formula into Far Cry and this and the division, you know, and and really kind of branching out into. Well, whatever. I mean, it became the running gag of the Ubisoft style open world game. And at some point they realized like, oh, we'll just keep making those. They'll just all be Assassin's Creed games now. Yeah. Like, all right, I guess. But they were they were super. They were the masters of uh, creating original IPs that kind of resonated at a large scale. Yeah, they were. They were just they did it every single time. I mean, Watch Dogs 1 kind of got mixed reviews. 
it was like the fastest selling new IP at the time. I'm sure it did like seven, eight mil units really quickly um, because they're really good at creating these IPs that resonate with the, the zeitgeist, right? I mean, obviously that game, you know, kind of 10 years ago was about privacy and, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, social networks and all this stuff that was in the, in the news at the time. Um, you know, kind of they did it again with The Division. I'm sure I'm missing out on loads more. Um, it just feels like the sparkle's gone. I mean, obviously, there's all the shit that's happened the last couple of years. But it's, it's not just that either. I think, you know, I understand they don't pay very well, obviously. So they're the, the guys who've suffered the most from the environment we're in now, which is the most competitive environment for hiring experienced developers. So, you know, there were a lot of people at um, Ubisoft, I think, like 10 years ago and before, who didn't really, who loved working at Ubisoft, but they didn't like Ubisoft. Do you know what I mean? Yes. You know, you get those companies where it's like, uh, and now they've all got like an opportunity on their doorstep to go and work for someone else mm-hmm. and a lot of reasons to go you know with the the company culture being what it is and I, I feel like i've talked to god i don't know a few different people who got out of there who were just like you know they they paid a lot of lip service to the problems here and then have been very slow to actually make real changes and so i'm out and so it's just i mean i i remember hearing like um the guys who did um far cry 6 mm-hmm. all their leads were gone before the game even <laughs> shipped like yeah. you know yeah. they're just gone like you go and go and look through the credits. Uh, all the leads were gone before the game even shipped. Virtually all of them. Um, that's one of the reasons I imagine that they're doing Splinter Cell because that's how you hire up, mm-hmm. right? You get a big IP and go, hey, come work yeah. on the new shiny thing. Right. God, that better be good. That's the thing, though. Like Assassin's Creed used to be a franchise that at least friends of mine in high school who had a 360, they would always get that new Assassin's Creed, like during the Ezio days and kind of just post that as well. And I feel like since Assassin's Creed changed significantly to become this RPG Witcher-esque kind of thing, they're, they're arguably maybe better games depending on what side of the, the, the fence you fall on. I'm an Ezio purist personally, but um, I feel like the the cultural cachet of Assassin's Creed has fallen quite a lot. You're not getting Michael Fassbender fronted films anymore <laughs> of the Assassin's Creed franchise. That used to do numbers that nowadays it's just your the stuff that's not FIFA and not COD, it's like your Rockstar games, and a recent example, obviously Hogwarts Legacy sold a billion copies because it fills that kind I mean, of... So I think Valhalla still did really, really well. I, I, I didn't really think it penetrated. Yeah, I think the, the problem for, certainly for me, the problem is that I'm not 25 anymore. <laughs> like they, they, We're just going to make the games bigger with more stuff, and it's like, yeah. I'm actually quite looking forward to what they're going to do next with the, the platform. Is it in, Infinity, is it called? Yeah. And they're yeah. going to, allegedly, it's not just these kind of big games that they've, they've announced. Um, it's also like lots of small experiences, um, apparently. Like kind of, you know, kind of little Aztec thing is the latest um, talk on the internet, and that's cool. Just dive into that, do some fun stuff. They need to do right by the assassination stuff. And I think that that's stuff that in the Ezio era, they at least paid a little more attention to that. And I, I feel like in, in the more recent games, the more recent games, it might as well just be like, oh, you know, you're going to get the Witcher, you're going to get Assassin's Creed. Like, eh, what's the difference? You know, it's like they're. I mean, it needs to be Hitman. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Every game needs to be more like Hitman. Every game needs to be more like Hitman. And, and so if they got back to the assassinations and yeah, with a smaller, more focused game sandbox. where you can really think about that sandbox type of kill, I think that that, that was the promise of the original Assassin's yeah. Creed. When they showed like, oh, you can blend in with the crowd here and you can do this. And when the game finally came out, it wasn't nearly the kind of clockwork thing that they pitched it as. But, you know, in those early days of that franchise, you had that feeling of like, oh, the possibilities are really endless about how I can take down this target. And yeah, I mean, I, I Hitman made good on that in ways that Assassin's Creed never yeah. did. 
So it'd be nice if they maybe took a cue from that to to make some of these different these smaller games. I just, be great. I distinctly remember reading gaming magazines um, about the original Assassin's Creed, like around when that was coming out, and it just sounded like it's like telling my friends like this is going to be the greatest game of all time. Like they're doing things <laughs> that video games it, it's impossible. Then when I finally got it, and I was like, you can jump off the, the high things, and it goes like scroll when you fly into it. Like, that's pretty cool. Right? Yeah. They were so scared of reviews of that game. They they wanted to have someone sit with our reviewer for the first like 20 hours or something like that and we're like absolutely not blend in next to them with like a hood on like you're 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 not (laughs) gonna know in this room just hidden blade ready like do you like it still do you like it still again i think the 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 real talk on ubisoft though is that their their real problem at the moment is that they don't have a giant service game like i mean ea can go have a bad year because fifa's always going to make tons of money um you Mm -hmm. know same with like uh, take two can have a bad year they can go they spend a couple of years working on these 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 big games and kind of get a, a, a pipeline going again hmm. ubisoft can't really do that right now and they've been desperately trying to to uh, kind of make a live service hmm. game and they've all kind of not worked out for whatever reason division three make destiny but real guns the division three the crew's doing really well apparently by the way the crew like deceptively right, yeah. deceptively well yeah quietly making loads of that's money that's why they made what 13 different dlc drops for it yeah and they're uh, they're gonna do that well, they're making they're making the new one right I still is it still some project name or did they actually announce it announce it i think it's got like some really shit name yeah like drive man <laughs> finally yeah <laughs> but then you know they tried what hyperscape and like they they really felt like they were very desperately chasing the battle royale wave for a while and i think they maybe they still have a couple of those projects kicking around but that sounds like the yeah. stuff that got canceled when when i asked um some friends uh in in ubisoft um you know kind of what the can i was trying to dig what those cancel projects were they announced them in their call and I, I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing this slightly but they said i don't know but it is i hope it's some of those fifty thousand battle royales we're working on <laughs> perhaps what ubisoft needs is a game in which you can sleep with some of their biggest characters because that's surely what the pokemon company are riding on for success pokemon sleep is real um congratulations to vgc's 2023 game of the year after all these years it will track your sleep and assign a pokemon that sleeps in a way similar to you i go to you jeff what pokemon do you sleep like just like a sputtering mess of just (laughs) and somehow there's smoke emitting from me the entire time it's a really i should probably see somebody about it but uh you know that's that's how it's been going lately i'm not even joking i've got two um like plush snorlaxes next to my bed that i sleep with See, that's the dream sleep. You want to sleep like Snorlax because you're just gone and you're like the deepest sleep possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just sleep in really awkward places as well, like the front <laughs> of like an ER department. Yeah. You know, a bridge. Me, me and Chris have to wake you up with a flute every morning to get you to actually start doing work. Um, I feel like I'm more of a, I mean, this is a poor self-admission, but like a grimer. You just wake up, you're sway, you're like, this is the worst sleep of my life. Why is this room so fucking hot? I didn't even put the heating on. Like, um, I feel like the Pokemon Sleep app won't be uh, that disgusting. It's also a bit insidious because they said we're going to put Pokemon Go compatibility into it. And I'm on the Pokemon Go subreddit with those uh, special people. And they were like, this company already takes hundreds of pounds out, out of my pocket every month. I'm not going to be sleeping for Pokemon so Go I don't stuff even now. know what this is. What is it? What What is it? It's like a, it's like a sleep tracking app that um you you put it on next to your bed it showed someone with their phone plugged in on their pillow which is a huge fire hazard i'm yeah. surprised they made it into an official pokemon video and it tracks your sleep and goes oh you slept like a 
fucking Bulbasaur. So they don't mind putting a fire hazard in their, their videos, but if you change the dimensions of the Pokemon, right. you'll have a legal team. Like you know, That legal team is going to be focused on like people with brain tumors from sleeping next to a phone for 10 years. You, you, I mean, I worked for Future Publishing, right? You have never seen so much activity from a legal team than when official Nintendo magazine put an unofficial render of Pikachu mm-hmm. in, mag- in an issue. So they did this Pokemon Presents... And it's it was on um, the twenty seventh anniversary of Pokemon, and me being the constant optimist, I was thinking they've just put those Game Boy games on Switch. Someone tore open the ROMs, and all of the Pokemon games are in there, ready to go. So it was like this is the most obvious thing in the world. Just say they're on there. They teased them by putting the original Red and Green soundtrack out. Nothing. Didn't even fucking mention them. They ended it with like Scarlet and Violet DLC that looks cool, yeah. I suppose. But uh, yeah, I, I I punched out of Pokemon a good long time ago. But uh, it, it, it's crazy that Pokemon sleep. I had to wait for foam technology to evolve. The, the funny thing is, that, you know, like iOS devices already do sleep tracking that it could that they could tap into. But instead, they're oh, like, yeah. no, leave it on your pillow. Or if you if you bought our cool wristband or whatever, you can use that to track the sleeping too. I was like, come on. I mean, are you going to get a Pokemon Go Plus Plus, which is the actual name right. of, of this new yeah. peripheral? <laughs> they, did a, they did a study. Do you remember the Pokewalker that came with the remakes of, Heart, of Gold and Silver on the Nintendo DS? Yes. There was a study that said that that was the best pedometer, like <laughs> the best pedometer around that, because wow. it was just so accurate for whatever reason. Right. <laughs> ER doctors ripping <laughs> these things out. Like. <laughs> There was a, there was a, a run on these Pokewalkers. Funnily enough, if you have a complete version of either of those games with the Pokewalker still, that's like, that's mad money. Really? Yes. Because hmm. Nintendo, Nintendo looked into that, right? Didn't Nintendo have their sleep thing they were working on for ages? That was an Iwata project. It never came out. The thing that you put on your finger or whatever? The I don't think I don't think that was the same thing, right? Was that the vitality the sensor, thing? yeah. yeah. Um, I thought the sleep thing might have come from a patent or something. They were talking about it like every year whenever they kind of did a shareholder thing, they'd always ask, like, where's the sleep yeah. thing? They'd be like, yeah, it's coming. A longer development cycle than <laughs> Beyond Good and Evil 2, but Pokemon Sleep is finally here. Maybe that's why Beyond Good and Evil is, isn't out. <laughs> they, it's a, maybe it's a, it's a sleep game. Yeah. You sleep just like Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who sleeps soundly as he asks you to provide music for this game for free. Uh, We could talk about the fun of E3 forever, but after the break, we're going to come back and talk a little bit about a brand new video game, an embargo buster, Wolong Fallen Dynasty. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
control this world lies in none other than this resplendent crimson glow. And we are back. I've been spending quite a lot of time with Wolong Fallen Dynasty. Jeff, you had any chance to check this out? Yes, yes. I've, I've been dipping into it a little bit. I'm probably not nearly as far in as you are, so I'm excited to hear if it's worth my time or not, because so far it seems really cool, but also I'm a little iffy on it. It's just, I don't know. There's so many. As soon as I got to the first thing that was like, here's our version of the bonfire, I was like, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I actually, th so Wall and Fallen Dynasty is the newest game from Team Ninja and Koei Tecmo. It's from it's set in the Romance of the Three Kingdoms universe, and it's um, it's from former Neo and Neo Two leads and a producer on Bloodborne. So big pedigree. Also, just saying those games, you know what you're getting here. This is less of a Souls like, more of a Sekiro like. So it's all about parrying. It's all about big red ball big red balls big red balls appearing you hitting the the parry window which is a lot more forgiving than in Sekiro which I appreciate because yeah. I do not have the speed the speed for Sekiro um but yeah it's interesting it's it's fast and the real kind of the thrust as you go through levels as as Jeff mentioned it has a bonfire equivalent but there will be tons of them per level and each time you go to one of them your resolve increases which means you deal additional damage and take less damage but you have like a there's a threshold to it so you do one bonfire for lack of a better term your resolve can fall back to five once you die but you can get it as high as you want so it's that kind of push and pull of the more things you kill the more powerful you are so on the lead up to a boss theoretically you want to go around and clear up the entire area so you're really strong going into the boss fight but you're trading that off against Am I going to lose some health? I'm going to lose some potions, that kind of thing. Um, I think the combat is fun. It's just, I don't know, it's a bit samey and it's not, I don't find the world super imaginative. I also don't think it looks incredible on PS5. What about you, Jeff? How, how much have you played just that first kind of area, Jeff? Yeah, the first, I, I maybe like I put an hour into it or so. So kind of you know, a little bit past that, that first area. Yeah, it's... It's maybe a little grunge. I've been playing on Xbox um, on a Series X, and, and it looks, I guess I would say, fine. But yeah. it, it's not, yeah, the the visuals are a little grungy, a little a little grimy around the edges and stuff. And I, I do like the character creator. And so, you know, like I ended up, it's like this short, ridiculous blonde woman with an eye patch running around being told that she's the, you know, savior of, of whatever. <laughs> I made Kenny Omega as a Great. tradition. Perfect. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and... <laughs> And so I, 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 it's it's silly because of the character I made, but um, yeah, I, it's I think you know I, I I've enjoyed the Neo games and yeah. I love Bloodborne. Uh, that's kind of like the only one of those I, I really would say that I that I love. Um, but I guess I don't know. I was hoping for for as, as much as it, it does have like that Sekiro with a wider window. I, I was hoping for like a slightly faster combat and maybe some slightly more Ninja Gaiden vibes. Yeah. I guess. Um, than, than this especially has in, but. yeah especially because we're so um when you have listened to this i will have completed the game because i'm right at the end from um from what i've heard it gets super easy because they start introducing tons of companion characters that are just there constantly and you can dismiss them but i'm like this is what the game the game is giving me these people right. here it's clearly designed to give me these people here so i have to play it with this and as as 
Soulsborn tradition, once you take this one-on-one -on -one fight that is very much designed as a one-on-one -on -one fight and introduce multiple elements, the entire thing breaks down. <laughs> so you're just standing behind these characters, like slashing them and killing them, and that it feels weak there. But in the fights where it is one-on-one -on -one with the, with the boss, your parries determine whether or not you're gonna you're gonna take this thing down. Really engaging. Really enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. And there is a good sense of power once you start building up your your renown or whatever the whatever the meter is. And it's interesting that that is what the pedal is. The pedal is you're actively going to get less powerful if you die to an extent. But yeah, it's uh, I've enjoyed it, but I I don't think if I wasn't reviewing it, I would have played more of it. Not because I've not liked it, but I've just like kind of got everything that I wanted out of it by like sure. sounds like a good game area pass game four to me. of six or whatever. It's not. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it kind of it kind of fits in that. And that, that um, companion thing, they they really they foreshadow that right out of the gate because like uh, the first thing that happens is they give you this the blindfolded guy who's who's literally saying, "Get behind me," you know. <laughs> if you take too many hits, he's like, "Get get out of the way and let me do this." And you're like, "Oh, you're just you're killing these enemies for me." Like, what are we even doing here? Um, yeah, it was a it was a weird. I did not expect that to, to be something that carries through the whole game. That's that's kind of you, weird. You, there, there's like a maybe halfway through, there's a level where you have two companions that are like super, super strong <laughs> and you can just let them run in front of you and you can just watch the world go by essentially. Um, I like the idea that these bonfires, for lack of a better word, are dotted throughout the area, like off the beaten track and you're encouraged to go and get more of them because it'll increase your resolve. But if you don't want to, you can just fucking book it straight to the next boss you probably get your ass kicked so it's it's good it's like it's, there's very little wrong with it outside of the fact that I, I just don't think it the art's cool but i don't think it's executed in a, a massively exciting way yeah i actually had my favorite zoom interview moment of all the pandemic um speaking to the woe long devs um when uh, they all started going absolutely mad like climbing onto their sofas and stuff um like a cockroach like ran across the room like i saw it i saw it play out as well like see one of them glance it like what the hell is that and then you're like you're in the middle of the translators like translating and then it's like it's pandemonium <laughs> you should put that out you should get permission to put that out that'd be great just very quickly since it only really came out last night jeff you had any time to play that destiny yeah uh yeah i've i've played through the first two missions or so and i you end up on neptune and you meet all a bunch of new characters right out of the gate and i was fascinated by like it's so not like the other destiny writing which is so like we're serious guardian we've got to get out and you've got these silver surfer looking guys who are just like yeah i don't know let's get out and <laughs> yeah. it sure would be a shame if everyone on this planet died but you've been fighting these guys longer than i have you go fight them ah! you know it's like it's so such a different tone for that well, they, they, they had they had who was the the robot that got killed off Cade, Cade yeah. Seven they had that IP. like i mean i felt after the first game they kind of lent massively into that right and it's all like lol oh he's a guy from the moon lol yeah don't kill those guys like you're on mars is, well hey I, this is but this is like one step by, before blood dragon like it's all pinks and purples yeah. and like all that See, this it's not stuff. it's not like, tempting it me back like uh, i mean uh, nathan nathan brown the editor so of though. edge right the ex-editor of edge <laughs> um he wrote an excellent piece uh, last year i think about how game developers spend so much time focusing on onboarding getting new players in when uh, you know kind of games like destiny have got so many lapsed players who they could easily come i would go back to destiny tomorrow if they ticked the right boxes yeah. right if they tempted it and it's just like i don't know like i mean going to destiny 2 wasn't helpful because it's sort of like imagine you're hopelessly addicted to heroin 
right? And they invent heroin too. We're discontinuing heroin one. You're no longer addicted to heroin. Do you want to come on board? No, no. That's, I think that's literally what's happening with fentanyl here in the States. So, yes. I'm, yeah. <laughs> it's like, no I, no, I don't. Now that you've given me the opportunity to not spend seven hours a day for four years playing Destiny, I think I'll go and do something else. But that was one of the, the things that I had with it. Like, I felt like... They listened, they listened to the feedback a bit too much on... Like, Destiny 1, like, OG Destiny 1 had a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Um, the narrative being overly serious being one. But it, I don't know, it feels like they focused on that too much. And then after a while, I liked that it was a bit serious. Like, it's gone <laughs> full Marvel now. Yes. See, when you talk about the onboarding and bringing people back, when I redeemed my code and loaded it back in, it was just like... Like, 50 oh, man, messages yeah. popped up. Like- it's insane. If you go off Destiny for a couple of years and you go back, you are straight up spending, I would say, maybe even a couple of days having to do <laughs> random shit Just about storylines that you haven't, you're like several games removed from, with pop-ups telling you that you've unlocked shit from the expansion before the last, before the last. So they've tried to do better by that. They've got a, a new seasonal rank system that like part of it doesn't reset because part of it is the initial onboarding. And so it's, um, it's, it's convoluted as I'm telling you this because you start at rank six <laughs> if you played the game before. Obviously. Um, but what that does is... In the yeah, exactly. But, you, but when you go look at like, well, what do I do to get out of rank six? It is all the current stuff. And so it is a much okay. clearer signpost about like, here is what to do next. I think my problem, and, and this is something that they've had in the last few, I came out of that second story mission... And it was like, okay, do the next one. And it's like, your power level is not high enough for this yet. Like, well, okay, what am I supposed to do? No indication about like, go, because I, I know because I've been playing the game for years, like, oh, I can go earn gear, or just find drops somewhere else or go do things from the last nine expansions I never finished. Um, but it's not a very clear, like, okay, before you can take on mission three, you should go, I don't know, play some multiplayer to unlock this or try to do a strike or try to do... You know, and I think that that's frustrating because in some ways they have acknowledged, at least they've attempted to acknowledge this problem of the lapsed player. And like, what do we do to get this person back? Or if this person comes back, how do we not hit them over the head with a dozen different things? And it is better than it was, but I don't think that they're there yet. Um, and I think that some of the structure of those things of like literally having a thing that's saying you're not powerful enough and not having like okay well hit x and let me go to the thing that's going to get me where i need to go i i just wish their campaigns were more just let me play them start to finish and without having to go do all this other stuff because i don't want to play competitive multiplayer i'm done with gambit forever like the the multiplayer modes in those games i'm i'm finished uh i just don't care so I, I think there's a lot of pathos associated with going back to an online game like that, that that was so integral to your life. Like, I mean, Destiny, Destiny one, like got me through a, a period of my life. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, kind of, we got made like shut down CBG, which was the publication I was on at the time. Um, I, you know, so I, I kind of like got made redundant. I had my kids and I'd literally, we had like, we had a like group we used to raid together of games industry people. Um, and we used to call them dad raids, yeah. right? If anyone went AFK during the raid, oh his kids probably woke up and we'd all sit around him with the emote and wait like I've got really deep like meaningful memories of playing Destiny it was such an important part of my life um, that going back now and seeing all of the offline friends list is like miserable yeah it's like going back to a graveyard mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's a weird you, you kind of you can't have those you can't have those times again for me that was 
it was probably Call of Duty 4. That was like post GameSpot, pre Giant Bomb. I had a lot of spare time on my hands for about four months or so. And it was, you know, it was late 07. And so Call of Duty Modern yeah. Warfare had just come out uh, not that long before. And I had a couple of other friends that were out of work or, you know, they were on the East Coast. They were on a slightly different time. And so it was just like 11 a.m., roll out of bed and I'm like, all right, let's just put another five hours into this. And <laughs> yeah, you kind of, you kinda yeah. can't go back to that stuff. Can't go back. Mine was playing terrible uh, GTA 5 stunt race maps when uh, GTA Online was completely unplayable, but it was like the greatest thing in the world because we were like 18 and we're like, that's just fucking amazing. <laughs> um, that actually leads me to a good closing question. If you'd like to tell us your depressing story of the live service game that got away from you, you can send your response to podcast at videogamechronicle.com. Jeff, where can people find you on the internet? Everywhere. I'm on the internet. Uh, you can find the Jeff Gerstmann Show. It's a podcast about video games, wherever podcasts live. I'm on YouTube under that name as well. You can go to enjoyyourgaming.com for more details. That's the Patreon. You can get ad-free shows, some, some bonus content. I've been doing a show called Game Boys to Men with a man named Glenn Rubenstein, who, you know, he and I got into this in the early 90s, around the same time, him a little bit before me, and we're kind of talking about what this i mean this industry is weird now and now it's all public companies and and it's all big business but back then it was weird in completely different ways because it was sales guys chomping on cigars going ah these kids love these video games you know it was like such a a different business back then so yeah we've been we've been talking a lot about that and also you know being 16 at the time (laughs) and and trying to uh talk to tom kalinsky of sega at age 16 and all of a sudden (laughs) dealing with nintendo as a teenager and and all this other weird stuff so that's on the patreon but yeah enjoyyourgaming.com is probably the the cleanest url to find me drop the TikTok. uh uh, yeah fred durst 2000 on tiktok so you definitely uh thank you uh look for me there i'm on co-host i'm you know i'm out there well thank you very much to both of you for joining us you can follow us all on twitter me at jordan midler andy at andy platonic is your twitter back in business andy have you opened the shop yeah yeah the xbox fans are gone now (laughs) okay (laughs) and jeff at jeff gersman although you don't seem like much of a twitter man these days jeff it's it's a rarity i log on and see you you know um Twitter just hasn't been much fun this what? last six months or so, eight months, whatever mean? it's been. Uh, yeah, no, I, yeah, I'm, I'm posting. I'm probably on Mastodon a little bit more than Twitter these days. It's just like I, yeah. I don't know. I signed up for everything when Twitter blew up, and I'm like, now what? Um, you're on that shit after Mastodon. You're on this stuff that people will be talking about in 2025. Exactly. I'm I'm over here. I'm still posting to Hive. I'm the one guy left on Hive going like, no, this is happening. This is we're gonna I'm on Plurk. <laughs> Hit me up on Plurk at yeah. Jeff Gerstman. Well, we'll all be sure to do that. Thank you very much. You can join us next week with another episode of VGC, a video game podcast. Say goodbye, Andy. Goodbye, Andy. Say goodbye, Jeff. Goodbye, Jeff. And we will see you next week. This was a Stack Production and part of the Acast Creator Network. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. 
seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.